This is the FM Gold channel of All India Radio. In the program news analysis, now we bring you a discussion on bi-monthly monetary policy of RBI. The participants are Shubhamoy Bhattacharji, economic analyst, and Sishir Sinha, journalist. Shubhamoy, how do you read the repo rate cut as announced by RBI governor today? I am one of those guys who was quite sure that this was coming. See, the reason I thought it is going to come is because of two factors. The interim budget is not just the interim budget. I read it that it's part of three things. One, the president's speech. Two, the interim budget. And three, the RBI policy action. So the three taken together was my lookout on what the government would offer going to the elections. So in that context, a repo rate cut was something that I was fairly sure was going to come. So even though there are people and there are good reasons to say that why directions were not absolutely clear, but still I was fairly sure that the repo rate cut was going to come because this is what the government was pushing all along and therefore it was certain. But the real issue is transmission. Do you think that the banks are really in a position to give full benefit of this rate cut to the home loan borrower or somebody who is willing to buy a car or even to the corporates? I would say that actually right now the big threat that the banks or rather the financial system faces is not about passing on to the final consumer. There are segments within the financial market which have sort of got seized up. One of them is the NBFC sector. Now, you'd notice that last year what happened, the NBFC sector, in fact, it happened for the last couple of years that as the banks squeezed out from the real estate sector, loans to the real estate sector, the NBFCs walked in. To take an example, some of the companies and the NBFC were pushing up their credit book exposure to the real estate sector by almost as far as 30% or 35%. Now, that was a sizable exposure. Now, many of those loans stand on the border of being classified as NPA. Also with the fact that ILFS problem has further accentuated their asset liability mismatch, the NBFCs would love any reduction in rates coming from the banks so that the banks offer further forbearance in terms of softer loans. I think that is where this rate cut is looking at rather than the final consumers who are going to buy, as you said, a car or take out a loan for a house or anything else. And it is this particular crisis which I think is going to be sort of is was the lookout for the particular softness of the RBI thing that basically making it a little easier for the banks to be able to hold on to their purses and therefore offer a slightly better condition for the NBFCs to recover. Remember the NBFCs to be able to recover, they would need a play out period of about two quarters, which would mean that they would also need some softness on the taxation front. Now that might already have factored in, but the big point was that the repayment and given the fact that the RBI now insists that any delay in repayment of even a day raises the red flag, these companies therefore had to ensure that that rate cut was just that amount which they can sort of keep their nose above the water. This is not often realized, but as of today, this is the biggest challenge. And I think that is where the rate cut would possibly come in handy. You mean to say there's some sort of booster package for the NBFC. Now coming to some numbers, the inflation target is now 2.8% in Q4. And if I go to the next fiscal year, it is 32 to 3.4% in first half and 3.9% in Q3. It is, of course, below the targeted level of 4%. With the growth rate of 7% plus, do you think that the inflation below 4% for a longer period is good for the economy? 
That's a very interesting point. And uh, <clears throat> in fact, there was a recent report I was reading, and this wasn't a brokerage report. This report was actually tracking what is happening in India between what we call the headline inflation, or to make it more simple, inflation is normally looked at in terms of two things. One is the number which people get to see next morning reprinted in the newspapers, which is what we call the headline rate. Then within the headline, there is a particular set of inflation numbers, which we call as a core inflation, which is basically inflation on factors which basically taking out the transient issues. So housing, fuel, food, these sort of stuff. When what that paper shows, and it's a very useful analysis, carefully though it slightly takes a bit of a time, between 2000 to 2012, when we look at the inflation, what we tended to see was that any price rise in food or fuel would push the core inflation towards the headline inflation. So that means even if the overall inflation was low, the moment there would be a price rise in food or a fuel, inflation would sort of push up and come up to the headline inflation rate and make the inflation higher. From 2012, this phenomena seems to have changed and changed quite drastically so that today food or fuel price rise does not translate into a change in the core inflation, which means a manufacturer or a service sector company, which is looking at the price of what it can charge for its goods or the input that it will be buying its materials for, does not need to be bothered that the headline inflation is at whatever level. So that means there's an advantage there, but there's also a disadvantage. It means that even if she thinks inflation is for food is low and fuel is low, so therefore that inflation will not rise. But actually the point is that that is the inflation will not rise because of food or fuel, but will rise because of the movements in the industrial sector. And it will come up to the core inflation level. So earlier while core inflation was tracking headline inflation, now headline inflation tracks core inflation. And given that, as your numbers show, the core inflation right now is fairly sticky and it's about 5% which means that there's a possibility that the headline inflation will actually move, even though it's now at 2%, 2.1, could come up closer to core inflation in a matter of a year or so. Now, in that circumstance, did the RBI do the right thing by reducing the rate? Were they guided by headline inflation? Well, they have been guided by headline inflation because that is what the Ujit Patel committee had recommended, that you be guided by the headline inflation. But when they were unpeeling that inflation and looking further down, then as they had done so far, they were being cautious. This time they've said we have got reasons to let that caution slacken a bit given the growth imperatives in the economy and we will let the rate soften. Would it be adequate enough to allow them for a further cut? Well, possibly not. That is why the wording says we have moved our position to neutral rather than accommodative, which means that we have made this one-off cut. But as far as the situation is concerned, we will stay here, observe what is happening, and only then take decision on future cut, depending on which way the headline inflation tracks the core inflation. Does this mean that the April policy review may not see further rate cut? I would think so. Also, April is the time when a lot of money will come into the economy because of the inflation-related expense. That's a bad time to let money be loose. RBI possibly will be better off saying that in tail end of the busy season, let whatever productive forces are at work, play themselves out and keep your ammunition dry in April to see how the economy pans out from that period till June when the new government comes and takes a position on its financial policy, on, on its fiscal policy, and then decide what to do further. Now, the next number is the GDP, 7.4% for 2019-20. Do you think that RBI is really more conservative? The GDP numbers are actually surprising us continuously. 
we are all surprised at not only the gdp numbers now but the gdp numbers of say a year ago they are also surprising us the year before is also surprising us now why is it happening one of the reasons why this is happening is the capacity of the statistical department is increasing exponentially the mca 21 data which they use was initially a bit tentative and now they are getting a lot of data coming in with a lag so as a result the gdp data is getting changed very drastically so what does that mean as an answer to your question about whether rbi is being conservative well i suppose rbi is saying that as of now even with a rate of gdp that we are looking at we can afford to be here and we will stick there and that is how we shall look at the borrowing requirements of the economy we shall look at the borrowing requirements of the government and see what further changes are necessary then going ahead now coming to some statement on development and regulatory policies one such major is relaxation in external commercial borrowing framework for resolution applicant before nclt that's a national company law tribunal what does this mean for banks and the corporate basically a first of all it shows that the resolution mechanism is coming on steam to put it in perspective for our listeners india used to have lots of ways in which banks used to basically allow industries to keep on postponing payment back of their loans and this continued with under cover of different names different guises different styles and continued for a long time what has now happened from 2017 onwards is the insolvency law makes it clear that if a company isn't able to get its house in order it will have to go in for a bankruptcy a liquidation proceeding and there is a timeline now of course in practice there are lots of things typically happening sometimes the timelines are getting exceeded the queue has got long the resolution professionals are taking time and of course corporates try to play the games as they had played for years basically everyone is learning today in newspaper there's a report that the ibc in another ibc situation what the government will do is that it will allow companies the smaller companies to craft their own bankruptcy procedures and then present it to the nclt instead of the nclt devising it so right now what happens is the company comes de novo to a nclt and nclt then decides how the bankruptcy will go this is one stage further now why is it being possible because there are more resolution professionals in the industry now who can tell a company that if you go in for a bankruptcy first world bankruptcy itself which was a shocking word in indian corporate sector has become acceptable so companies are being given the choice that if you want you can think yourself how do you want to work your bankruptcy thing instead of letting the resolution professionals find out you can do those i read the rbi's guidelines on that similar line basically sort of making it uh, more robust with the experience that we are getting their confidence in all sides that yes this is work and this will now stay so taking it further and banks will get more money because the end user restriction has been removed so that will help the banks to get more money from the various dues from the corporates is this going to help the banks to lend more well partially yes and in fact there's also that other one in fact i i would like to know also from you because you track the economy i mean we both have discussed these things relaxation they have given to some of these companies to borrow from abroad which i think is a very interesting thing that they have uh, said i'm not very sure remember in india borrowing from abroad has always been allowed to only companies which have got investment grade proposal investment grade things now they're saying that you can even if you are in sale if you are in that position you can borrow from abroad now whether companies will be able to get it yeah that's a very big issue that whether the company who has gone for some kind of bankruptcy procedure will that be able to raise money or the person who is bidding for that company will he able to raise money 
that's something which we have to find out and then that thing i'd just like to say that there is a, of course a cause for concern why there is the cause for concern because borrowing from abroad who are the parties lending to an insolvent company and either they'll have very deep pockets or is there a risk that we could have round tripping again under this guys well we don't know because it's just been allowed and frankly there are possibilities that companies might try to stretch the envelope to see whether they can do it more but it's something that the rbi has opened a new window and it'll be something that will have to be monitored very carefully another thing is that about the corporate bond market now the fpi ceiling of 20% in single entity has been removed do you think that this will really help the bond market to develop Oh, yes, certainly. Because, you know, I'm not saying that somebody would come in and take care of all the things. But that 20 is also, frankly, was an arbitrary number. Could have been 15, could have been 25. But it almost, because of passage of time, it almost became a sort of a historical article of faith. 20% and that's it. First of all, A, companies which are good, like say a company like say SBI. FPI often come along and hit the ceiling very fast. So there's hardly ever any float on SBI stock prices. Ditto, it does the same thing for many of the good companies that the amount of stock prices which is actually available in the market, the free float isn't really there. So what happens is the pricing of those become difficult and the companies then become into, I mean, investors are denied good scripts. So if the FPI restriction goes off, and gradually, you know, companies are allowed more better things. But of course, this is a, we are talking of the debt market. But I'm just saying it for the purpose of simplicity that what happens is that these numbers do not really, I mean, they are not etched in stone. It's nice to play around with them a bit, considering that the Indian market has become more sophisticated. We are saying that we should have a more robust bond market. Let's see how we can manage considering that we now have much better room to get information. Regulators are now also much more comfortable handling these things. So I would say that these are good ideas. Thank you very much. You were listening to a discussion on bi-monthly monetary policy of RBI. The participants were Shubhamoy Bhattacharji, economic analyst, and Shishir Sinha, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on the website newsonair.nic.in. You may email opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.